Blog Talk Radio. Great, great, great. All right, so we're all together for another week, and I'm 
very, very excited about today's show. Our guest today is Haru Asan Anu. And if you're not familiar with Haru Asan Anu, Haru Asan Anu is a cultural educator, empowerment lecturer, author. He is an initiated priest in the Yoruba tradition. He has written a book titled Grasping the Root of Divine Power, um, which is all about spiritual, a guide to spiritual healing um, in African culture, Orisha religion, um, Obi divination, cleansing, um, and, and lots and lots of other things. So we will uh, let him go a little bit more into that. How are you, Haru? I'm beautiful this evening. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for joining us. We, we're really excited about the show, and thank you for taking the time to join us and to enlighten us and our listeners. It's my pleasure. Great, great. So I am, you know, there's lots of things that I wanted to discuss and I wanted to, to talk about today and the three of us, and we have three guests, three hosts to the show. We kind of... Um, it's very conversational. We're very relaxed. We kind of feed off of, um, let the conversation flow and just kind of take it organically. But one thing where we really wanted to kind of start with is something that is really come up in the consciousness right now with the shift and everything that's going on energy-wise. And what we really wanted to, to start out with today is, um, masculine and feminine energy and kind of how that um, is playing out right now. And, Sean, you want to kind of go into what specifically you wanted to talk about with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, just my general observation, you know, as, as I'm on my conscious path and moving forward, is the omission of, you know, the polarities and how they play off of one another and how they, you know, interplay with one another. And the importance of the the, the feminine uh, expression, you know, it seems like as we move forward in anything in terms of spirituality and Western culture, it's still pretty much a uh, patriarchal perspective. Even if we move away from that that Christian Christian mindset or that pantheon, we still kind of embrace the masculine aspect, and we don't really pay homage or note that there even is a feminine aspect that goes along with the masculine. And I kind of wanted to get into that from a spiritual perspective, you know. Okay, so can you give us an idea of, um, can you, those of us who have not necessarily heard of or know about masculine feminine energy and exactly what it is and not you know a lot of people think masculine and feminine means what we think of as um oh did we drop him we dropped sean i think we're there's some some dropping issues going on with blog talk so let's be patient we'll have might have to be patient tonight um but what we want to talk about, not, you know, most people when they think of masculine and feminine, they usually think of gender, 
you know, what m- males do, what m- men do, what females do, kind of gender roles and how women are and how men are, and that's kind of what we tend to think of. Um, but on on the spiritual level and on a higher vibrational level, um, Haru, can you go into what exactly is masculine energy and what is feminine energy? Sure, no problem. Uh, well, first, when we're when we're expressing what masculine, we'll start. We'll begin with masculine energy is, um, or even feminine. We're just dealing with polarities. Uh, it's not ne- necessarily um, when we're dealing with from the spiritual perspective. We want to approach it with the same uh, conceptualization that we do when we're looking at a physical body per se. Although the physical body kind of reflects what the spirit is expressing. So what I mean by that is from a, when you're dealing with masculine energy in the, in the spiritual realm, masculine energy is energy that expands outward. So it would be things that are electric or things that are positive. They are things that uh, seek to define or seek to be seen or seek to show something, but they, they are energies that go out uh, like light. Light would be a masculine energy in the spirit world. Light is is um, is seen, but light also helps to define and shape things and shape things. I'm sorry, and clothe ideas. And then you have our feminine energy. Now, feminine energy is um, it's complement, it's polar complement, and that it is the contractive energy. It's 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 receptive. It's the the, the watery energy or the dark energy when we are expressing our ability spiritually or otherwise to receive. Now, of course, this is evident in our physical uh, presentations in terms of just our own biology and our anatomy. If one was to look at a male phallus, a phallus expands outward and seeks to create outwardly and define itself through creation, whereas the female womb seeks to receive in and to transform objects through its ability to to mold and, and to, and to uh, create its own enclosed environment. So that's feminine energy as it expresses itself spiritually and even um, socially, you know, and, and anatomically, and that's also masculine energy. All right. And um, regarding the... The shift that is going on that everyone was looking forward to 2012 shift and the way that our society um, right now is is designed is mainly run from masculine energy. Can you go into what you with the shift and what are some of the changes that may need to make? Um, to establish balance in the society and how we are going about life right now with more of the shifts going towards feminine energy in a very masculine energy society? Okay, so I'll... A little bit. So I'll I'll answer the the part that I I got, and then I'll ask for clarification on on the last part. Okay. Uh, first, okay. first off, uh, you, you had mentioned the shift, and I, with, without assumption, let me ask: uh, Are we speaking about the the 2012 shift? Yes. Okay. Um, 
Well, the thing the thing with the 2012 shift is, is similar to the concepts of the Illuminati and the New World Order, in that uh, there are there are groups of people who would try to make one believe that evolution and ascension happens on a collective level, and this is not necessarily true. Uh, your new world order is when you decide to create a new world order. That is when the new world new world order begins, unless you lock into the cadence and the rhythm of an alien society. If you decide to lock in the cadence and the, and the rhythm of an outside society or an outside social structure and format, then they are now able to define when your new world order will begin and what it will look like. So um, that's my precursor to the the. 2012 shift that everyone spoke right. about, which in reality occurred before 2012. Uh, right. If we really understand the calendar, it wasn't December 21st, uh, 2012. But more importantly, uh, the Mayan calendar was not necessarily marking a date of um, great destruction or spiritual upheaval or anything like that. But if um, one were to understand how those calendars were constructed, they were constructed in order to, to give one a guidebook of what energy is present and prominent at, in each season. So okay. um, it's not necessarily that, okay, time ends and we have to start over with 2012. No, this is just the energy that's high on this date. You know, so these calendars mm-hmm. were not, I mean, when we look at a calendar, it's really just for utility purposes. You know, um, right. when an Earth Day comes up, with the bill got to be paid, you know. Um, But calendars were not originally constructed for that purpose. They were constructed more for the purpose of ritual and for you to understand where energy was present at certain times. So um, that's my my take on on the first part. Now, you had mentioned this society being constructed and formulated based on um, patriarchy, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just kind of the... um, you know, very linear, left brain, logical, masculine, patriarchal thinking, um, mm-hmm. which has led us to, you know, kind of the structure, kind of how we conduct our, you know, our business, our schools, our, you know, everything is, is under that specific construction and you know now that we are kind of under a different energy um you know what what do you foresee changing or what will need to change or adjust in order for us to still main or to maintain balance because we we don't we don't have balance very clearly right now but what do you foresee for us to be able to do um now that we are kind of under a different energy to kind of establish some balance since we really haven't had any. Okay, well the first thing um I may have to I may I may be disqualified as a contributor to the question based on um my feeling about uh the context of the question. Um I think I feel that it's important for us to define who the we and the us are. Oh, okay. Uh because you know because when right. we say like um well we are under an energy, or even society has been built in a certain way, uh, this social structure, and I'm just going to qualify, I guess we're talking about the Western social structure, you know, which which we're working within at this point right now. Um, It wasn't designed by the we or the us. 
and its design was not necessarily patriarchal anyway. I have no issue with patriarchy. I actually support and I'm an advocate of patriarchy. But what we see here in the West is oppressive, extreme patriarchy. So we can't really use it as a healthy model of what patriarchy is, because if we were to start start talking about matriarchy in the West, it would be the same oppressive model. It would be kind of like what you have the uh, feminist movement purporting where you're just right. replacing mm-hmm. one oppressor for the other for, for the other. So it doesn't really speak to let's say the African womanist movement where the the move and the shift is not towards who's going to lead but the move and shift is betw- is towards equality. So um I would say that first, you know, um when we're speaking about patriarchy, I think it's important for us to separate um what this oppressive uh system is versus healthy patriarchy, which was always used in traditional times to build civilizations. Civilizations were also built, were always built upon the format and structure of patriarchy, even the ones that were matrilineal. Okay. Um, now, in, in, order, in order to restore balance, I think it goes back to what I was saying before about defining your own personal new world order. Um, we have to first realize that in many senses, the society is very balanced. Okay, it's just not balanced in the way where it serves people like us. But this society was never designed without spirituality, magic, occultism, and geometry in mind. All of those things are very present in Western society. So you have magic, you have cyclical and abstract thinking all in it. You got it in the airports, you got it in the building designs, you have it in the names. You know, I mean, traditionally a judge would be called a magistrate. Well, you have to look at that word, magistrate, magi. That's that's a magician, okay. And he sits on a robe, and 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 he sits. He, I mean, he wears a robe. He sits on a bench, and all rise when he comes in. And above him says, "In God we trust." So that means when you're going into a courtroom, you're going into a temple. You know, so um, it's balanced. <laughs> it's certainly balanced. You know, you have. Uh, warfare and aggression and at the same time you have a whole lot of ritual and symbolic magic and oppression used against the people so I think what's important for those of us who have recognized that it's not necessarily working for us the first way we can we can begin to um, achieve some level of, or some semblance of balance is to reclaim our systems is to reclaim our symbols is to reclaim our methods. You know, um, we can use uh, feminine mas- methods and masculine methods in order to make stuff happen. And the reality is that's the only way you can create anyway. As long as we're stuck in this trap, this earth reality, we're going to have to employ the duality of light and dark and negative and positive. That just comes along with the ride. And um, at some point we have to begin to remove ourselves from under the the yoke of what we consider to be imbalanced. So like like you were saying, you know, well, um being in a society that was that was built around patriarchal principles, what can we do to to um you know, to to balance ourselves or to attune ourselves? Well, the first thing is to opt out of a society that does not work towards your healing. Right. That's number 1. Um and then once you establish that, you establish the balance in the community of self within. And the immediate move after that is to establish family models because the family model will begin to reflect 
that um, those positions of masculine and feminine inside of you. So it's kind of like your family becomes like a laboratory. You get to learn what it is again, you know, to to interact in a balanced manner again. And then once you build out from family, you know, then comes village, well, comes clan, then village, then nation. And, you know, we're doing all right again. But it, it really good. begins with an opting out. Yeah, in my opinion. Okay. So individually, I mean, we all we all have masculine and feminine energy. Um, do you agree with that? We all have masculine and feminine energy. So yes. what what would be something to and is it um what would be something in order to establish that balance or to have you know full access and I don't if I'm not wording this correctly, I mean you feel free to, you know, let me know or reword it. Sorry. You know, I'm, I'm I'll get in where I fit in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Like you said, the family becomes a laboratory and you establish that in your family, but before that it must be established in self. Um, Mm -hmm. What would be... Uh-oh. I think I'm just coming back. I got cut off. But I think we lost her. Oh, we lost her. Okay. <laughs> I think we lost her. Right in the middle of her question. But I, get, I, okay. I gather what she was about to ask was what would be some methods or some some exercises or some, some practical ways to balance our our energies within ourselves. I guess that's right. Yeah, I think she was going towards that. It sounded like she was going to ask on the individual level, as right. of, you know, before we even get to the place of establishing right. families. Okay, well, the number one thing we can do, um, I'm, I'm, this is a real easy exercise. I know this is going to uh-huh. seem like child's play, but it's not. Um, the first thing we want to start, just start at the base level of understanding left and right brain thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and doing exercises that employ the left and right brain. You know, uh, paying attention to things like how we breathe. But here's something real simple we could do: is just try to create concentric circles with your hands. You know, so what that means is, you know, uh, have your fingertips, you know, hold them out in front of you so that they're facing one another, and start to make a with with your left hand start to create a circle, uh, moving, you know, away from your body. And then with your right hand, start making a circle at the same time that's moving towards your body. Now, you're going to find that when you keep trying to do that, they're going to try to match each other. And you're just going to be making a big hula hoop. Okay, okay. But eventually, if you keep working on it, you'll be able to now start doing concentric circles. Now, what this does, as simple as the exercise may seem, is that it starts to fire off synapses in your brain where you start to think in a more balanced manner. Okay, um, a simple thing that we could do for children, which I think is where our focus should always be, is as you're teaching them things like symbols and their alphabets, have them write with their left and right hand and have them write from uh, left to right and from right to left. Right to left, right. Okay, especially the alphabet. For those of you who are currently teaching your children the alphabet or teaching them their numbers, 
have them also write the alphabet from Z to A with their left hand. Mm -hmm. Okay, these are basic exercises that you can do to start to appreciate and and see the world through a more balanced perspective. Now, of course, um, and we're we're all you know really talking on the individual level. Um, your implement your your implementation of electromagnetic energy is also vital. So, if we understand the sciences of electromagnetism, things that are electric are things that go out and expand. This is your masculine energy. Things that are magnetic are things that attract or are receptive. So when you put those together, we have what's called electromagnetics. Okay, so understanding simple electronics, things like that. You know, get a book on electronics and start understanding how positive and negative current works. You know, how energy flows, you know, in a positive and and negative direction. And when you put them together, like if you take two battery cables and you let them hit each other, you get sparks. You, You don't want to get in the middle of that. So that lets you see when these energies are flowing in their proper directions, okay, there's a certain um, smoothness, you know, there's a certain balance that occurs. But when you start to cross and blur the lines of gender and you start to blur the lines of energies and polarities, you get explosions, okay, and everything stops, car shuts off. Okay, so, you know, those are some very simple things one can do to start to understand the balance. And, of course, always study um, our great models and and incarnations that fully represented um, their muscular, or I'm sorry, their sexual disposition, whether it be masculine or feminine. You know, understand um, our deities, which is very important. You know, if you whatever societies you want to go to, it doesn't matter. Make sure you study the masculine and feminine aspects of all archetypes, and it'll give you a sense of how um, masculine or, or electric moves as as opposed to feminine or mag- magnetism moves. Right, right. I think that that's what, that's what sparked the whole conversation, just in terms of of looking at things. I won't even use the word spiritual, but from a religious perspective. And mm-hmm. first delving into spirituality, for the lack of a better word, the first observation that you gather in Western society is that the, the feminine aspect of any of the deities, you know, it was, it was the, the all-dudes club, you know, from mm-hmm. our perspective. It, it, they took the woman and made him a goat, you know, turned right. him into a goat. And when you start to observe that from the everyday mind just as we function in the Western world, you, you begin to see that, hold on, something, something's not quite right here. You know, and when you look in the Bible, they start talking about, you know, a woman, when she's on her menses, that she's dangerous and she's, you know, she's vilified to a degree. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, as we begin to observe, as I begin to observe that, it was like, wow, damn, let's fix this. Let's, let's talk about this because, you know, some of the people in my circle are still, you know, kind of religious. You know, a lot of my family members that I've broken away from are still kind of religious. And when you try to talk about, even, even this is the thing that really bothered me, was black women, who I think are the most powerful entity on this planet, walking, um, give up their power. Their power is, they, they, they're just not usurped. They give it up because of the mundane observation of what religion is in the Western world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And looking at it, going back and looking at 
our spiritual scientists as Africans and putting those things back into play, bringing the woman back right next to the man, giving her her proper, you know, perspective, her proper due, I think adds to a more complete spiritual walk, for the lack of a better word. You know, and that's kind of what I wanted to, you know, build the conversation on. Sure, sure. No, you're absolutely right. I I think what's important to understand, though, as well as, you know, like you're referencing the Bible, is to keep in mind um, who the translators of those texts were. You know, so when you're coming from, you know, the the Greek and the Hebrew into the English, uh, you have to understand, first, when dealing with the Greek, you're dealing with people who saw women as nothing more valuable than something to, you know, create heirs with. Right. You know, so their perspective, their worldview is going to express that, you know. Um, So I think that's a very important thing. When you look at, like you said, well, it speaks about when a woman was menses on her menses, she was dangerous. Well, a a woman on her menses is dangerous because she's at one of her most powerful times of her month. You know, so if you're coming from a society where you don't value the woman and you vilify her and now she's in a time when she's at her most powerful, then, yes, she is dangerous because this is a time where she could take you out unless you create some type of mechanisms and protocols to keep her suppressed. So, you know, a lot of it deals with the perspective of of who's expressing some of these points, you know. Um, But, again, it it, kind of goes back to that opting out of a society that doesn't really work in your best interest. Uh, if, if you know, you know, and I'm not a big advocate of, um, I know a lot of sisters want to get back on the throne and, and, you know, they want to carry guns alongside their men. I'm not with that. You know, I, I am certainly a sexist and <laughs> there are things for men to do and there are things for women to do. And I think a lot of times when women step forward, you know, when the sisters step, step forward in this time, and they say, okay, now it's time the brothers are clearing a lane for us to do what we're going to do. All they end up doing a lot of times is emulating male behavior and calling that equality. Right. And that's something Absolutely. that has been inherited. Yeah, that's been inherited from that feminist movement. Right. You know, so it's it's kind of like what the sister asked in the beginning in terms of what is masculine and feminine in the spiritual world. Well, if you understand that masculine energy is about expanding outward and feminine energy is about evolving and transforming inward, then that's what we need to start doing. So the inward would be your home, your inner circle, mm-hmm. the children. Then, you know, that's the inner, the inner society. The outward society would be politics, the, the the perimeters of the village, what goes on outside the hut, quote unquote. You know, and if we can start moving to our our um complementary corners and working from there I think we could get a lot done, um, but, you know, looking at anything within this society as an example is going to just cause you to further invest into it, even if you're fooling yourself into thinking that you're a part of a liberation movement. If you use this society as a model at any point, um, you're just reinforcing it. Right. Right. I could not agree with you more um, with what you said about basically what women have, what has happened with the the women's liberation movement is women have learned how to be men instead Mm -hmm. of learning what it means to be 
a woman, what it means to be feminine and to use that feminine energy. And one thing specifically with our women, um, African women, is because of the of um, slavery and our history, we have been duped into wearing the pants, quote unquote, and we are reluctant to take sure. them off because we that's where our power is. And so we have emasculated our men because we feel like we still need to wear the pants and we still need to be in charge and we still need to hold on to power because without that, we will be used and abused. So the powerful women are those who are the women or what we consider to be powerful women Mm -hmm. or those women who consider themselves to be powerful are those who can emulate being a man or masculine um, to the point where they can compete with men um, instead of learning what it means to be a woman and embracing your feminine energy. So I think until we get away from that and we'll take off the pants and leave off the pants and trust our men enough to hand him the pants and let him wear the pants, then we're we're not going to be able to embrace and, and use that feminine energy to rebuild ourselves. I think what's key with what you just said is that, and I think it's a good, you know, um, advisor for a lot of the sisters out there. Um, there is this, this thought of, you know, I've, I've heard women say this phrase, you know, I counsel a lot of couples and they say, well, every time I try to let him be the man, he messes it up. You know, I hear things like that. And I have to remind, like, you don't let him, <laughs> you know, be a man. Uh, I know in my situation, if you try to, you're going to get ran over if you try to impede my manhood or my manliness in any way. It doesn't stop for anyone. It's a train, you know. So I think a good advisor would also be for a lot of sisters who are single right now and who are developing this sense of oneness with themselves uh, to kind of pay attention to that a bit, too. It's not necessarily sometimes. You know, I definitely I'm, I'm going along with your statement and putting a little side addendum. Sometimes it's not about handing the pants back over to the man because some of the men have decided to let you wear your pants and leave you alone there with your pants on. And it's mm-hmm. it's really because there's there's a there's a format that's been created a long time ago called the, the plantation bed winch. And that bed winch, you know, there was a time when it was very interesting, you know, the uh, plantation bed winch, uh, she would sleep with the slave maker. And um, the slave maker, if he created a child with her, um, he would give her money. You know, he would give her money for creating this child. And this is money she can go anywhere and spend, you know. And that that sister's enslaved um, mate you know, he would have to wait to see if the child was his or if the child was the slave maker's, you know. um, And over the years, there have been some individuals who have realized that there are rewards that can be had, even though these are rewards that are not really worth anything. They just don't know it. But there are rewards that can be had if they continue to perpetuate the the Willie Lynchism um, that's been taught to them, you know, at a very young age. So it kind of just regenerates itself. And like when we were talking, you know, you asked, well, what is masculine and feminine? Well, masculine energy is the energy that goes out. And one of the things that it does is it goes out to find solution. And 
at the end of the day, the solution lies on the shoulders of the men. They have to they have to lead. Masculine energy or light energy is is the leading energy. Okay, there's no way around that. And I know there are people who advocate co leadership and but that's that's just foolishness. You know, you if somebody comes up, if you're facing a firing squad, you don't want the mother of your children facing it with you. You know, that's that's just ridiculous. You know, she needs to, to get behind you and go right. run up in the mountains with the children while you maybe ha- sacrifice yourself. But that's all right because it ain't that big a deal as long as her and the children can continue on the legacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this really is um, on the men to fix this. And then it's on the women who attach themselves to men who have the solution to receive that seed of information and germinate it. You know, that's that's that interplay between the masculine and feminine. But it, it's really the men who have to say, I'm not relinquishing my pants, you know, as, as you were speaking, the proverbial pants. Sister, and if you can't understand that, then, you know, you can't walk with me. And they have to mm-hmm. take a very hard stance in that. And that means you may have to be alone. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the Bible story. This was Adam's issue. When you look at the book of Genesis. You know, um, he was so afraid to be alone that he went and ate the tree of knowledge. I mean, the fruit of knowledge, Doc, you know, along with Eve, instead of just saying, you know what, you messed up and I'm just going to have to have him make me another one because I'm not going to I'm I got to keep this thing going. Instead, he was so scared to be alone. He said, you know what, we'll just go into into corruption together. So I think that's a lot of what's happening today. You know, the males are so afraid to stand alone as men. And in truth, when you look at, again, the, the, the energy, we're talking about the spiritual aspect, men are one, women are zero. Women are the cipher, okay? They're everything and nothing at the same time. Um, but men are the defining one, the, the idea, but the one stands alone, okay? It's not a cipher where everything is inside of it. It's standing alone. And at some point as men, we have to be ready and prepared and, and willing to stand alone, you know, to just stand and let the, the wind blow through our locks. And 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 troop it like that, and that's what will, will attract the alpha women to the alpha men, and we'll start weeding out some of this other stuff, these betas. Yeah. Right. The next logical question in terms of nation building mm-hmm. is: Do you do you anticipate or do you see something on a mass scale or something very small uh, in terms of of us, us being melanated people? Okay. And, and terminating out sure. of something. Okay, yeah, that's that's a wonderful question. Um it always begins with something small. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um nothing ever moves in a mass level because for the most part the masses are just empty. If you even look this take it down to the to, to the cellular level. If you understand mm-hmm. that the, the makeup of a cell, the, the the majority of its density lies in the nucleus which is the smallest part. And then the right. rest of it, all that, that space around it is really just empty space. Empty space. It's, it's, right. Yeah, cell is more space than it is substance. But the nucleus determines what the rest of the, the empty space is actually going to do. Okay, so it's the same thing in terms of the movements of our people. You know, um, it will be a small few. It may just be two or three. It may be four. You know, and those would be the two or three or four that will move a thousand. Now, the beauty of it, if we understand um, our comedic systems and we understand um, the, the archetype as known as Newt, which is N-U-T, right? Newt 
is the night sky. And this is the night sky, which is similar to our um, Yoruba Yemoja. Uh, but Nut is the night sky that holds all the stars in place. Okay, so those those different stars are millions and millions of years apart from each other. But when we look at them, they look like they're like basically sitting on top of each other. And and they're creating formations. They're creating images, constellations. So they're actually working, you know, based on a cosmic rhythm, cosmic groove, even though they're they're miles and miles apart. Well, in this time period, the ancestors have given us a, a new type newt, and it's called net, internet. Mm-hmm. And because of the internet, we now have all these different stars, like like yourselves, like myself, mm-hmm. and other people who are trying to show a little light, you know, and and awaken our people a little bit in the short time that we're going to be here on the planet. And because of this this newt, this net, it's it's now pulls us together. So it's just a few of us out here doing it, um, but right. we're able to communicate with people worldwide and and move masses in a in a certain type of way. But it's not going to be the masses that are going to move the masses. It's going to be just a few, uh, as they say, poor righteous teachers um, who are actually going to be the ones who affect uh, the mass on a subconscious level. Okay, so it's, it's they'll be doing things and they won't know why they're doing it. People will begin to wear their hair natural and won't won't know why. They'll be begin to wear more colors. At one point, we were just wearing white tees and, and baggy jeans. You know, we have completely given up on the color game. You know, which was always vital and crucial to our our existence here on the on the planet. You know, we were always very color sensitive into the vibrations. Now you got colors back again. You know, so a lot of times we have to just be sensitive and very appreciative of the small games that, you know, we kind of just look over, even down to some of the dances that come back, some of the slang, things like that. It's very small, but it's it's because of all of this massive work that we put in, that this is happening. Wow, wow. Can you can you speak more to, to, to the absence of color or what colors are uh, represented or, or how they function in our everyday expression or observation of energy? Sure, certainly. Okay, well, the first thing, uh, when we're dealing with colors, we're dealing with humanity, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing to keep in mind. Uh, The colors represent your human corruption. So, you know, at each side of the spectrum, you have white and then you have black, right? Right. Just like the yin and yang symbol. Now, the white represents the things that, you know, it's light things that enlighten you, and the black represents things that change you, okay? And in between your enlightenment and your changing or your transformation, you have these different stop-offs with color. And the color are just different shades that you can utilize to get to each place. So let's say if, if today I'm feeling militaristic, I have some work to do, I might put on all red because it, it it invokes that feeling and that image of aggression. And I have to kind of uh, precursor what I'm saying by saying that um, our associations with certain colors are really based on our cultural stance. So universally, red may not mean aggression. In some places, it may mean love. You know, uh, very similar to um, in the Yoruba culture, we have a archetype known as Oshun. And here in the diaspora, 
you know, when we want to call upon Oshun, which is the spirit of, of congregation, it's it's the energy that, that brings things together. So Oshun is responsible for, for, for nationalism. Uh this is this is the energy that we call love. But love is just the joining. Love is conjoining. Okay. Um but oftentimes a call on Oshun, we may wear yellow or gold or brass, you know, um or burn a gold candle, things like that. We use that color to attract that energy. But if you go to Nigeria, Oshun is represented by the color blue because she's water. You see? Right. So there's there's a cultural connection to how those colors affect you. And you personally know which colors make you feel what. But ultimately, you utilize the colors to charge your spirit in a certain direction. Now, I said spirit for a reason. Spirit is something that's present and available to us while we are here on the planet Earth. When we go into the realms of all white or we go into the realms of all dark, we're not utilizing spirit. Spirit stops off there. It only can take us but so far. Okay? So spirit is um, a liken to your personality or your vigor. It's just like if we say we go to a football game, oh, there's a spirit of the game, spirit of competition. Okay? But when the game is over, the spirit's over. Now we all drinking and having fun. So now it's the spirit of celebration. So spirits come and go. They're not eternal like your soul. Okay, but we utilize different spirits while we are here in our human form to get human things done. But when we have to go and get soulful things done, we go to either white or black, which is the area beyond the traps of um, the different interpretations of color and how those colors affect our physiognomy. Right. Brilliant. 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 Now, you mentioned something. I want to take the conversation somewhere else real quick. You mentioned sure. soul. You mentioned soul. And um, we have this conversation that goes back and forth about everyone having and not having a soul. Not everyone has a soul. Do you feel, mm-hmm. which I which I totally agree with, totally agree with that, do you feel that there is a method within our uh, incarnations that put us on the grid in terms of developing or cultivating a soul? Are some people here doing that, or are they just um, that one? You know, can Pinocchio ever become a real boy, or is he destined to be a puppet? Nah, Pinocchio can, can become a real boy. You know, um, everything here is energy, so energy can always transmutate. Okay, now the difference is it's harder for some energies to transmutate than others, you know, um, so it may be harder for a brick to learn how to fly. Now, can that brick eventually move its its, its energy to learn how to fly? Certainly, because eventually the brick is going to turn into dust anyway, and the dust right. is going to fly away. So, boom, the, the brick learned how to fly, but it had to totally sacrifice its form in order to get to that point. Right. So, wow. Everything okay, has that, that potential. <laughs> everything ball. has that potential. We need some <laughs> yeah, they hit me with those bombs before. I took yeah, them they, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now, when we talk about the soul, a soul is is evolving, but a soul is a pure thing. Okay, even in its um, small, some souls are bigger than others, but they're always pure. 
Um, and we were we were taught that when we look at the 42 declarations of Ma'at, um, the, the comedic archetype of balance. Okay. Um, and when we look at those decla- declarations, it, you know, it says, I have not, I have not, I have not, I have not. Right. Now, you know, you have, you know, you've stolen, you've lied, <laughs> you know, you've done all those different things. But, but what it's telling you is that your spirit is fallible. The body is fallible. Your mind is fallible. Your emotions are fallible. Your love is even jacked up. But your soul is perfect. Okay, your soul has not done any of these things. So it's evolving beyond that perfection. Okay, that was the value, going back to the Bible, that was the value of Lucifer. We need Lucifer. We're Lucifer. Nothing but light falling into darkness to be raised and redeemed back up again to the light. Whoopee. But we needed Lucifer because Lucifer looked at God and said, you know what, man, I, um, I'm, I could be better than you. You know, he's just 11 times. I will. I will. Now, that key word in there was will. Angels are not supposed to have a will. So okay. when we know we're dealing with Lucifer, we're not really dealing with an angel. We're dealing with God talking to himself. And he was saying, I can be better than what I am right now because my perfection is, is corny. This is I'm I'm dead. If I'm perfected, right. yeah, I'm I'm not moving anywhere. You know, right. a piece of plastic is perfect because it, it right. won't biodegrade. Right. So he said, "Okay, I, I got to make this Lucifer guy, and he's going to challenge me to move beyond my step. But he has right. to do it by falling to the dust, angel dust. He's got to fall right. to the dust." In order to redeem again, because got to go through a process of corruption that's going to make him better than what he was. And it could be the most simplest thing. Whatever your soul came down here to do to answer or to make it, it could be so simple. It could be like, you know, um, learning how to hold your liquor. You know, yeah. and I know that sounds, but, you know, it could be something small. And we all have our different missions. And that's why. We can't really look at one another and say, man, you're supposed to be doing this, man. You're supposed to have your poems and your locks and your your, your incense, man. No. Right. You know, you, you may have just come down here to teach your family to, to get off the pork. And they may right. get off the pork and get on the turkey bacon. Okay, well, that's my job is done. That That's right. part of my soul evolution to figure out, because my soul needed to evolve to figure out the words to say to this human. Because God mm-hmm. is not human. God doesn't feel these things. So um, I know it's a long answer, but that was my, that was my no, answer to your, your query. No, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. So do you do you see an end to the Luciferian God conversation? Is there a perfection said, end? Or is, it, is there an end to it? Or does, does it keep going on? You know, the, the Lucifer God expression. Is it? You know, basically, they all understanding itself from all interpretations, basically. So, does that conversation ever come to a head, and and we move on to something different as the whole? If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I understand. Right. I really don't know. Um, I know that that is the the law and the process that rules this realm. Mm-hmm. I know that. Okay, now I've traveled to many different dimensions. Um, but dimensions exist inside of realms. Right. Okay. Um, so at the next realm, I'm I'm barely an initiate. So they don't tell me anything up there. Mm-hmm. You know, they just let me sit and watch and be amazed and then come back down here to, you know, cheese doodles and parking tickets. <laughs> so 
Right. <laughs> you know, so um, I I can't really say for sure. You know, I don't even understand the soul. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand it. I I'm just coming to learn my higher self, but my higher self is only reflecting lessons from the soul, but it's not actually the soul. I haven't even gotten to the point where I could touch the soul, which is really that's what the what the word psychology means. That's what a psych, psychologist is, is supposed to be doing, touching the soul. Right. You know, so um, I don't really know. You know, I just know that there's a process that I got to go through here, and I'm eagerly looking towards the death that uh, brings me to whatever the next process may be. And it may be the same thing, or hopefully I'm out of that prison of process. I would think... I would just think with my my feeble, meaty brain, um, I would just think that the higher you go, the less processes they are, there are. Right. You know, right. And only I, I say that because of how, you know, how we grow up. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a certain amount of schooling and training to acclimate us as children. And then when we become mm-hmm. elders, we don't care about anything. You know, right. we, we somebody get shot or stabbed. Oh, what? Mm. Yeah, that boy right, told right. him to be out there selling them drugs. And that's pretty right. much, we ain't marching. We, doing our, we falling asleep in the middle of our own award ceremonies. You know, right. like, we don't care. <laughs> you know, so right. I would assume that there may be less processes. But in all honesty, I don't know, and, and no one really knows. People put right. and say they do, but people make up stuff for money. I have a question uh, about gender, um, and, excuse mm-hmm. me, masculine and femininity as it relates to gender, because as we talked about a little bit before, the two are used interchangeably. And I was wondering if you could speak to the difference between, say, a man who has an abundance of feminine energy versus a man who is maybe trying to be a woman or a woman who has an abundance of masculine energy versus a woman who's trying to be a man? Oh, that's excellent. I love that question. Um, No one has ever asked me that question, but I always speak on it. But no one comes with the question directly. Thank you for that. I I appreciate that. Um, Okay, so you have, well, we'll just, the, the, the examples are kind of same, but you have a person, let's say a man, like you said, who has an overabundance of feminine energy. Okay, so you have a man who has an overabundance of feminine energy. Right. Morris Day. Okay. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't necessarily connote an imbalance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Neither does a man who has an overabundance of masculine energy necessarily Mm -hmm. connote an an imbalance because he may have an overabundance of feminine energy that's uh, exposed and projected. But internally, he may be just as balanced with masculine energy. Mm-hmm. So we never really know, you know. Um, you can't really go by because your projection, your projection is usually, like even a woman, we'll take that other example, um, whatever projects to the outside world is your masculine energy, mm-hmm. okay? Whatever mm-hmm. the world can see, that's 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 the light, Light is masculine. So whether the world sees masculine or feminine, the fact that they can see it, you're already projecting masculine energy. Whatever the world does not see that exists inside the deep recesses of your body, of your soul, is your feminine energy. 
That's the feminine principle at work, making sure that there's an unseen part, that you have a consciousness, that you have a voice inside of you, and and that something can spring from it. That's the feminine energy's job. Now, if femininity springs from it, okay. If masculinity springs from it, okay. Now, this is not the same as a man who, and, and if, if I'm saying this wrong, you know, please correct me. A man who desires to be a woman, I think is what you said, or a woman right. who desires yeah. to be a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Imbalance. Right. Now, that's problematic. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's problematic. Because what's, what's happening now here is you've created a, a split personality because of some sort of imbalance that has entered into not the soul, but has entered into the spirit and has now caused the spirit to have an identity crisis. So what the spirit is now attempting to do is to recreate a new identity and do away with the old. Mm -hmm. Okay. But this is not going to happen because you're given this one spirit per lifetime. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to have somebody who's, who's consistently striving to be something that they can never become. So they become depressed and they Mm -hmm. become schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's something completely different. And that's, always problematic every single time. Now, I also want to express that just because someone expresses a lot of feminine energy doesn't necessarily mean that they have feminine ways. Right. Okay. Um, You look at a a prince, Mm -hmm. very feminine, you know, the singer Bilal. And when I say feminine, Jimi Hendrix, very feminine, Bob Marley, feminine. These were people who, when they went on stage, they completely stripped ego, which is a process that's that's what women do. Okay, mm-hmm. women women don't have the the burden of ego like men do, not to the same degree. They have ego, but these are people who just completely stripped themselves. And when they went on stage, they danced, sung, screamed, however the spirit led them to do. That's very feminine. Mm-hmm. You see. Um, but no one would necessarily say, especially Bob Marley, that this is a person who was trying to be a woman or who was doing uh, culturally recognized womanly things. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, femininity and masculinity expressed in, expresses itself in many different ways. Uh, you look at uh, um, Araminta or Harriet Tubman, um, she expressed some very masculine things. Mm-hmm. Okay, by going out, taking initiative, she went even beyond her husband, John, but she went out. This is what masculine energy does and grab something. This is it. She was a hunter. She had the spirit of the hunter. Go out and I grab it and I bring it back home. Okay, you know, very masculine. Uh, so, you know, there's different ways that that energy expresses itself. And it doesn't always have to be somebody acting butch, you know, somebody acting like a sissy. That's something different. Mm-hmm. Wow, great question. Yeah. Great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. Um, we were mm-hmm. speaking earlier about um we were talking about um you're talking about the Bible and I wanna kind of transition into how we define everybody has a different idea of what God is or who God is. Um, And I wanted to get your views on what are your ideas of 
what God is exactly. Okay. Um, well, interesting enough, I actually did a show on this this exact question. And um, I will start here by saying I don't know what God is, and nobody knows what God is. Um, we all have perceptions and perspectives of what God is. Um, I'm going to start by saying that God is not necessarily my word of conceptualization for um, the the other or unseen force or the, the supreme intelligence. Okay, um, so as soon as we start using words that may not be of our conceptualization and our, you know, our, our own thinking and calculation, it can get a little confusing. Um, God is whatever the person who invented that word, that's what God is. Okay. Um, right. Now, I know, I know what you, you know, you're asking, I'm not trying to give you a, a, a slick answer, but um, I know you're speaking from a conceptual perspective, like, well, conceptually, what is God? Um, but I think that's always where we need to start. You know, right. because right. sometimes we well, can... Well, and I know that run... a lot of people still have, you know, we're given... And I know a lot of people in the spiritual community or conscious community are like to stay away from the word God because mm-hmm. there's so much baggage attached to the word God because of Christianity or um, traditional um, religious practices and we... A lot of people still look at, you know, picture a, you know, white man with a long beard sitting on a cloud, mm-hmm. looking down, judging mm-hmm. people, and that's their idea of God. So a lot of a lot of people in the conscious community won't even say the word or touch the word because there's so much attached to it religiously. So they'll say universe, yeah. they'll say consciousness or source or you know, but you know, basically we're all they're all speaking of. What their idea of something higher, right, right. So I wanted to kind of get your idea of what you, the idea of God, um, right, and you know, as far as what we're, we're doing here and how we relate to what that being source energy might be. Okay, God is um, is your perception. Or your your visualization of um, of your source. Okay, so I, I, I'll explain that. And you know, I'll also say that a lot of people don't use it because they're too lazy to look up what it means. You know, it's easy to use some other type of words. Um, but when you were a child, the the only God that you conceptualized was your mother. Okay, that that's the only concept you have because whenever you needed something, she would give it to you. So then as you grew older and she would tell you, child, get on up, out my face, I'm doing something, you started to feel lonely and you needed something else that would always be there when you called it. Okay, it may not uh, show up when I want it, but it's right on time. You know, mm-hmm. that, that type of stuff. Okay, so <laughs> we developed this concept and this idea of this this all-loving and all-caring God in the sky who's crying for us every time it rains. Okay, so, um, Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to say, even me, you know, my perception and my conception of God changes because God is an evolving force. 
every time, I mean, we just we just lost George Duke, George Duke, George Duke just transitioned recently, right? So that means God has just perfected itself even further, because when George Duke transitioned, he took all of that musical information back to the source. So now he he went and brought his report back to the Almighty God Oludumare, the Supreme Being, and said, "Look, man, this this is how you how you create funk. This is how you do jazz." This is how I did uh, Denise Williams, that's here for the boys, and and all that stuff like that. So now God has changed. God has new information. So God is the ever-evolving question of what can I do next? You know, what can I be next? That's why when, like, you refer to the Bible, when he came forth, he said, he said, well, who should I say sent me? He said, say that I am. Because I am means that I can be whatever I want to be in the moment. I am a carpenter. I am a singer. I am a keyboard player. I am a a drunkard. You know, I am anything. So God is that ever-evolving I am, just constantly changing. And we're really just trying to make sure we stay in in the groove and in the current of that change. Um, If we look at the Yoruba conceptualization of um, Olodumare, um, or even if we look at the um, Kabbalic representation of Kether, the crown, the first Sephiroth on the tree of life, we understand that God or Oludumari represents um, some energy's first intention to define itself. Okay? So the first intention to define itself comes out as this thing that we call God. But what's most important, and it's so important in this show that we're talking about the duality, that intention is masculine. So when we say like, well, God is a man or God's man, there, there's a truth to that. There is some truth to that because it's that, that desire to be defined is God. But there's something that existed before that defining point that had the notion to be defined. That's the female. That's the feminine right. energy. That's that triple stage darkness that even is spoken about in the Quran. Okay, that thing that existed before Allah or the deity that existed before Oludumare. Okay, that's that woman. That's that number zero that we love so much. Okay, that's the zero. And then the one would be God. One defines. Okay, it separates God, one. And then it goes down from there. Wow. Wow, okay. Um, and that kind of brings me to, and I know you did a show on this too, and this is kind of how I I, I first um, discovered you. I was looking for something about prayer, and because that's another word for me that mm-hmm. I have, I have, have issues with trying to let go of some of my programming from my religious childhood background. Mm-hmm. And so I use the word prayer, but I don't think of prayer as there's some higher being that I'm begging to. to right. If I please you, then you will do something nice for me, something in my life, trying to make sure that you're happy so that you'll do nice things for me and give me stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I... In, in that trying to kind of reconcile some of the beliefs I have when I see and hear 
think of the word prayer. Um, and I kind of wanted you to share with um, our audience what your ideas of, you know, do prayer, is it something that we, in in the traditional sense of you are this earthly being trying to contact spirits from the spirit world because they have access to things that you don't. So that's kind of what people think of when they think of prayer, even those who consider themselves in the conscious community. I'm going to try to contact my angels or my ancestors so because they have mm-hmm. access to stuff that I don't so they can help me. Can you give us um, your insight and your idea of prayer and what prayer is and whether it is helpful or something that we should or should not do? Sure. No problem. Okay, well, by its very definition, prayer to prayer means or to pray means to beg. Okay, and more specifically in um definitive okay. context, to pray means to beg of something that you have been either separated from or are or you are shackled to some type of um servitude too. So it could be a God who you offended or a God who you have to beg and petition to get its attention. Okay, this this is the the definition of pray or to 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 um you know to to invoke prayer. So um, is prayer itself helpful? Uh, it certainly can be. It can be. Um, panhandling can be helpful. You know, if you need some money or you need some food, you can go on a corner and panhandle. Okay, um, but if you spend all day panhandling, then you really are not going to be able to invest the time energetically, spiritually, or mentally into moving beyond that place, okay? And you stay in a position of subservience, always waiting for that handout, okay? If if we were to understand something um, like the, the word spirit you use, I can contact my spirits because they have more access to things than I do. Um, that is true, but we have to understand that we live, we're multidimensional beings, living at different places at different times, okay? And there's a place that you live that is much higher and much older than where the spirits live. Angels, Arisha, Necheru, Luau, otherwise, and Kisis, okay? And that is the place of your soul. Um, we'll work with the Bible. Um, again, God breathed the breath of life into man, and man became a living soul, right? So that means each and every one of us has a portion of the of the supreme being inside of us. Well, the supreme being is older than those angels you're going to beg to. And in truth, the angels were placed and created in position to serve your journey back up to the light. So um, when you beg them, uh, <laughs> they almost really laugh at you. Because it's it's a part of your just being um, blind and scared of your own power. Because you're afraid to say, I am Oludumare's child. I am Oludumare's son. I am Oludumare's daughter. And that means I sit in the royal court with all of the other high deities and archetypes. So because I sit in the royal court and you're coming to the royal court as a servant, you angel, you Orisha, are here to assist my journey. I don't beg the chef in the kitchen. The king doesn't beg the chef to cook its favorite meal. 
That doesn't even make sense. So um, that's what happens most of the time when you pray. When you pray, you're actually begging something that is there to serve you, to do something for you. And the challenge with that is this. You're begging entities that don't have their own free will. So they can't plot a course or a solution as easy or as creatively as you can. As you can, right. Okay. So that that's where it becomes very, very, very challenging. So then some people will shift over to the ancestor thing. Okay, well, I pray to my ancestors. Well, you could do that too, but your ancestors are not all knowing. Just because they're dead doesn't mean they know everything now. You know, um, the reality is they're looking at you to still keep learning so you can teach them. Teach them, right? Right. You know, so um, when you pray to them, oh, what should I do, Uncle Larry? Well, you know, Uncle Larry, you know, all he, he sat around and did was, was drinking uh, Drink Poor Loco. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so he's going to come with well, wow. first thing you need to do is pour some Poor Loco on this shrine. <laughs> And then you're going to be saying, you know, it's so crazy. My ancestors asked me for for loco. It's so crazy how God works. No, that's your drunk uncle still acting drunk. You know, so you got to, like, have that peer-to-peer relationship with these spirits and these egun, or or ancestors, I'm sorry. You got to have that peer-to-peer relationship with them so that you can see what you're looking at here. And that's, that's a part of going up into that higher self. We were talking about earlier that light. When you go up into that light, into that royal court, you're able to really see, you know, who you need to call for what job. You know, um, if if you if you want to celebrate, if you want to call, you know, the, the, the spirits that are around you or you want to increase the spirit of celebration in your home, you call your drunk uncle. Because he's going to loosen the grips of everybody's brain and body and, and they're going to dance and have fun like he used to do. But you wouldn't necessarily call upon that drunk uncle because you're trying to pass, you know, uh, an important exam. That wouldn't make sense, you know. So uh, through our prayer, we we need to focus more on affirmation, okay? It is what it's going to be, especially if you're working any type of system where you have to give any type of offering. You know, you don't give an offering and then beg. If I'm giving you a chicken or I'm giving you a bottle of rum, I expect something to be done, you know, because, again, you're, you're, you're the universe's favorite child. You have to see and know that you are that. You sit at the center of the universe as, as a supreme being's favorite child. So, therefore, if you pay one of your servants, it's only fair. But it's only fair that they fulfill the job as well. That's why in the Bible it said, you know, the word will set out. And it will comp- accomplish what it sets out to do and will not return to me void. Okay. Now, the word is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Well, let me say this. Is the Christ. The Christ was the word of God. So the word of God came here to perform this mythological sacrifice of itself and then return itself back up. It's going to do what it's sent to do. They have no choice. If you send an angel to do something, it has to do it. Or an Arisha or anything else. If it doesn't do it, it's because you didn't have enough will to know that it's going to be done. It's on you. It's not on them. You didn't put enough will behind it. Your heart wasn't into it. That's why it didn't get done. And we call that ashe sometimes. You didn't have enough ashe behind it or power. Okay, wow. 
in, in terms of in terms of communing with your ancestors, how does that work in conjunction with reincarnation? You know, because Uncle Larry might be back on the next thing smoking. So mm-hmm. <laughs> how will we talk to you? If he, you know, if he's now in the crib that's sitting beside your bed. You know what right. I'm saying? You're talking we, to... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. What you're talking to is the temporary imprint that was left of your Uncle Larry, because in truth, there is no Uncle Larry. Right. Okay. Uncle Larry could have been Genghis Khan right. in another lifetime, and he just right. came down this time to have either I was a warlord in my last life. Now I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to get drunk and catch every disease in the book. You know, um... So the reality is, uh, remember, this is when we were talking about spirits, right? There's a difference between a spirit and a soul. The soul continues its journey, and it's not held back because of your wishes to keep it down, to keep it earthbound, okay? But the spirit is something that only survives as long as it's fed, okay? It's just like a marriage, you know, um, you got two individuals there. They're going to continue to be individuals regardless of what. But if they don't feed into the liberty, you know, and the healthiness and the vitality of that marriage and of that relationship, it will die. Okay? So it's the same thing with your Uncle Larry. If you stop giving Uncle Larry tribute, that spirit's going to be gone. It's, it's like something just dissipating in the wind. Okay? But, you know, if what you're communing with is, one of his reflections, his spirit, which he doesn't need anymore where he's going. He doesn't need mm-hmm. the spirit. Now, one of the things that you're doing in all the study that, that everybody does and all the spiritual work is you're trying to ensure that when you go to the next step that you retain some of this information. Right. That's your goal. Okay? Right. That's why you do all this conscious work. Okay? So, um you get to the next step, it may be a totally different type of world, but you still have a sense that I'm Sean, you know, I'm Aaron, I'm, 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 I, st- I still have some, some past life memories and imprints, okay? Right. So you come back with all these gifts now. You're, you're that five-year-old that can speak ten languages. Nobody right. knows how, okay? Right. Because that's an old soul that keeps coming back, right. all right? Um, but... We could still be worshiping the last, uh, or not worshiping, I should say. Well, some people do. But we could still be giving honor and tribute to the spirit of what we had before. Again, look at someone like Bob Marley. That spirit is never going to die. You couldn't, no matter what you do, because so much energy has been put Put into keeping that spirit alive. But that's so been gone. Right. (laughs) You know, that's that's so been gone a long time ago. Right. It's either in the next phase. I doubt if he even came back. He didn't. He probably didn't even need to come back. Didn't need you know to come what I mean? Back. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's right. old been gone. We still rocking with the spirit, which is cool because it serves us here on the earth plane. But when we get off of this plane, we won't even need that either. Right. You know, and that's why it's important to venerate your ancestors because if you don't venerate your ancestors, it's very similar to the movie Clash of the Titans. If you don't venerate them. They grow weak and they wither because their spirits only feed off of vehicles of travel, which we know to be Ashe, just like the the vampire movies. The vampires can only um, manifest themselves in the human world if they get blood, Ashe, Mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, mm-hmm. your ancestors are the same way because they exist in a spiritual reality, not a soul reality. Right. Right. Wow. So what must George Washington look like, man? <laughs> he got all of you. Every time you spend a dollar, you put the George. Well, that's 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 so critical that you said that because that was done on purpose. You remember when those people came to Kemet? When they came to Egypt, they saw that we put the the images of our of our ancestors on our money, because money was always considered a spirit. In Nigeria, we call money Owo, and Owo is a feminine spirit. It's it's a female, and so because money it it touches everyone, it spreads. This is a spiritual thing, and that's why they said, you know what? We're going to call it currency, because because right. it's current like electricity. Right. You know, and we're going to have charges and discharges. It's all electric. It's all spiritual. Wow. And we're going to put the faces of our ancestors on it so that we can charge the energy of our egun, of our ancestors. And every time these Negroes take a dollar and hand it over to somebody face up, they're reinforcing yeah. our ancestors. So you never hand your money face up. I never do. You turn it over and you show those pyramids. Wow. If it's a dollar. (laughs) You know, if it's a dollar. (laughs) But that's where that came from. Yeah, they they know how to keep their people alive. They even put shrines. They tell you, you know, you're doing voodoo if you put a shrine up, but then they put put them in the middle of all the parks and they put fountains of water around them and then they tell you to throw copper in there and make a wish and pray to to their ancestors (laughs) with copper, which conducts electricity. Which conducts, yep. Wow. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So George yep, is, yep, is, yep. is sitting lovely. You know, he uh, all right. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Wow. Man, I'm still tripping on the fact that you said George Dupas, man. Transition. Yeah. I didn't know that. Dookie stick. That's yeah, you know, yeah, we lost we lost our dookie stick. Wow. I'm out here in Denver. I'm out of touch. Oh, he's <laughs> out of the loop a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, brother went on. And his wife had transitioned one year prior to him. Really? So, yeah, you know, he probably, he, you know, that's how it is when he, when you're soul tied to a person. Your astral mates, they go, all right, I'm I'm heading out too, man. Everything's done, yeah, you know. Right. We'll, we'll go to the next place together. Right. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah, I guess we give a moment of silence for George Duke then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Inadvertently. Yeah, he just got one. Right. Well, what I what I want to I just right. want to say now, Peru, I I listened to another show and that you were on, and the woman, it was Mona Magic, I think. She oh, okay. had mentioned mm-hmm. that when you are on your when you were on her show and some other shows that crazy things happened. And when I was listening to that and I heard her say that, I was like, well, he's going to be fine on our show. I'm not worried about it. Well, let me tell you, there are some, I am like a, a uh, on the surface, I don't, I don't even know if I appear calm or not, but I am like scrambling underneath. I'm like a dust little scrambling underneath because blog talk is going crazy. I can only hear half of the conversation. My wow. phone I've never had my phone cut off. They the voice they have they're having these messages flash up on the screen saying that we realize <laughs> that there are voice issues, it shouldn't affect the archives, yeah. our engineers are working on it. So wow. every time before capacity, wow. so it must be I get that all the time. 
<laughs> yeah, really? I apologize for messing up your she, show. When she, when she said that, I was thinking, oh, no, it'll be fine. I'm not, but, yeah, and and I, my, the computer didn't come up until it was one mm-hmm. minute before the show started, and I was trying to grab another. <laughs> you know, I got two computers here. I've got two mm-hmm. cell phones, trying to make sure that everything is <laughs> wow. I'm still, Do you have, do you have that kind of problem? Do you have those problems with your show? Yeah, actually, I couldn't broadcast my show properly today. Um, I use a, a, a broadband phone, and for some reason, I didn't have service up until about maybe five, ten minutes before your show started. I was trying to figure out how to call in, but this always happens. My show got messed up. To, it's just, it's it just, I don't know. I, I bring it with me. It's, I have yeah. the same thing on on in, on cashier checkout line. As soon as I get on the line, everything start. The light start blinking. And you know they call it managers every time, I and mean, it's, it's been happening. Same thing with Block Talk. Wow! I just mess up people's uh, segments all the time. <laughs> so yeah, so there's some moments of silence. It's probably because I can't hear. Is the I'm completely blacked out. So I'm hoping that um, you you're still talking because I can't you know can't hear anything. So okay. Kind of run the bull. Um. So be patient, and hopefully it doesn't sound too crazy going on around here, but it's it's crazy. Um, (laughs) We've got about half an hour left, and one thing I wanted to talk about is, is, um, you know, we, with all of our religious ties, again, a lot of people who don't even consider themselves religious still live a very religious lifestyle, and in one way they do that is through um, considering what's right and what's wrong and what's moral and what's immoral. And um, human morality changes with whoever decides what's moral and what's not moral. I mean, you see that with when laws change, someone who, and we tend to to think that our laws are connected to our morality. So if something is illegal and you break the law, Right, so like, you know, um, marijuana was immoral last week, but today it's not immoral because it's legal in Colorado, and at least in Colorado and in Washington. So because we tend to link our morality to what we consider right and wrong based on who is establishing what's right and wrong, um, of course that would have to be more consistent on the spiritual um, plain because you know they don't necessarily care about what's going on with this you know human morality that we know wavers with which way the wind is blowing. Um, hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, human morality versus spiritual morality and how we conduct ourselves while we're here on this planet regarding the two? Um, because sure. there could be some. Like you, when you talk about you know someone who we would look at as an immoral person, but they may actually just be doing the job that they came here to do, so that mm-hmm. something can be advanced, or that they can learn and take that back to the source. Can you can you talk a little bit on that, please? Certainly, that um, that really speaks to you know, and I'm speaking about the human morality. Uh, or, or the enforcement of it, that kind of speaks to what you were speaking about earlier in terms of this extreme form of patriarchy that we have in the West, okay, um, where there's a demonizing of everything that is natural. So what is normal has become 
the abnormal and what is abnormal has become normal. What is functional um, becomes abnormal now and what is dysfunctional becomes a societal norm. Uh, if you think about how a mother is with a baby, right? Um, a mother acclimates the baby to the planet, but at the same time, it learns the baby's clock, learns the baby's schedule. If the baby uh, has mucus, it goes and sucks that mucus. The, child, the mother will suck the mucus right out of the nose. Okay, this is considered disgusting by societal standards. You don't suck mucus out of somebody's nose. Um, but the feminine energy or that mothering energy knows that you do what's needed to do to get to, to get the job done, which is called magic. Okay, so um, our human morality, for the most part, is social acclimizing. Okay, this is how society acclimates you to how they want you to behave. And they use religion, entertainment, and imposed culture to, to give you a sense of morality when in truth you were already born with a sense of morality. And that morality um, is aligned with your spiritual integrity. Okay, your spiritual integrity is your clear, focused um, understanding of your life mission. Okay, and it's integral to your existence, it's integral to your being. And someone introduces human morality now, which begins to not only ridicule, but even um, digitize and, and segregate what that integrity is. Okay. Um, so it's similar to, I'll give you a, a good example, uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, there was a time when he was talking about dance. I remember in an interview, and he said, you know, um, when you go to dance school, when people teach dance, they teach you to dance, you know, on rhythm and on one, we move here and we move there. And he said, that's so wrong. You don't do that. He said, when when you dance, you move how you feel. You move to the feeling of the music, mm. but you don't move to a number which is so true. It's almost like trying to transcribe and write music. You transcribe and write music so that you could bring the vibration of the music low enough so that other people who can't understand it can get into the game. So that's why we have, when you say you're a musician, the first thing people say is, oh, do you read music? Because that right. because they, they're trying to ask, how far are you invested into our artistic morality? You have to read music. Mm. So... um and if you don't, you're wrong. But but the reality is you're actually more advanced if you don't. And you're able to still bring sounds and melodies from the ethers down here to the planet. Okay, so um, that goes to your human morality and your spiritual morality. Now, human, rea human morality fits into social standards. Spiritual morality fits into whatever is needed for the mission. Okay, so you have some spirits or some energies that have one purpose. We go back to what we were speaking about earlier in terms of angels. Angels have no will. They only have one thing they do. They have they have only one conscious stream, and that's all they can do. So you have um, like uh, Azrael, right, from, from the Smurfs, right, Azrael. Azrael <laughs> means <laughs> these, these are deep spiritual words now. <laughs> you talk about the rituals, right? Um, and the things right. that people are afraid of. They should have been afraid of Smurfs. You know, but um Azrael means the angel of death. Azrael. Azrael. Okay, similar to Israel, right? Mm -hmm. So 
the only thing Azriel is going to do is kill and eat Smurfs. He represents the the, the horse right. of death. That's it. He's not. Right. You never saw Azriel acting lovingly because he doesn't have the, right. the ability to do that. Right. right. But the fact that he's obedient to his spiritual integrity and purpose, that's the expression of spiritual morality. That is moral. Okay, because he's not trying to be similar to the question the brother asked earlier, one sex trying to be another sex. That's immoral. Because you're you're now disrespecting and forsaking the integral structure that was put into you. Okay? Human morality completely ignores that. It completely ignores it. And it's it's really just based off of what religion tells you, which is based off of what the, the uh, political stance is. Because religion is just, you know, politicized rhetoric for the most part, you know. Um, and that's where we get now this, this sense of human morality. Um, but it's all wrong. You know, you have to stick to your, your purpose. Your sole purpose will define what the cosmic morality should be. And whenever you get confused, our ancestors already gave us some, a, a map. It's called Ma'at. Okay, that's that's cosmic morality. And even the archetypes, the gods that, that sit in that high court, they have to be obedient to Ma'at. Everything falls under that woman or on that woman's shoulders, Ma'at. Forget all of that, the, the, the human doctrine. It comes and goes. Okay, so when we see, like, you know, like one one thing that I used to, to think, um, ministers, for example, like I used to mm-hmm. used to think, well, you know, if they wanted to be a minister and they're called to be a minister, then they should be trying to be as Christ-like as possible. And then, you know, they are, um, you know, like Eddie Long, for example, you know, complete, what I would consider, you know, what people would look at consider abusing their station and using people. Is that him being called to, I mean, was that him Come on being to his, you know his what he his purpose and mission on i mean should we do we look at that as him being true to his mission or do we look at that as i mean i'm i'm just kind of wondering like when we look at people who we consider are you know moral quote unquote leaders they put themselves in charge of or people look at them as their moral leaders and then when they do something they consider to be not moral then people say oh well they've fallen do we look mm-hmm. at that as no he hasn't fallen he's just doing what he was here to do okay well let's let's ask this question How do we anyone within this discussion right now does, uh, do we have any church goers and do any of you all go to church no no no, no. okay no. Mm, <laughs> No. So, <laughs> yeah. so now, yeah. based on that, based on 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 the actions of uh, Eddie Long, the you know infamous uh, skin tight shirt wearer, uh, yeah. based on the actions of Eddie Long, would anybody now want to re-enter the church? No, no, no. Well, I guess he serves some really great purpose for all the people <laughs> who maybe strat- have been straddling the fence of their consciousness. Right. So there's Amen. a purpose in everything. 
Wow. The purpose okay. and reason and everything. Okay. So I, I thank Eddie Long because he actually made my job easier. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. Okay. He served as a deter- church deterrent. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have to look at it. You know, this show was about duality, the yin and yang, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. on one side of the coin, yeah, you know, you don't 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 touch little boys. On the other side, you know, he he brought something to the forefront that needed to be brought to the forefront. Right. You know, something that was right. sometime or is sometimes considered an urban legend. Right. You know, um so I'm thankful for Eddie Long and all of the other ones um throughout right. the years who have exposed the fact that there is no heaven on earth. Right. You know, and that sicknesses and schisms will fester anywhere. Right. right. Is that a ritual? Is that a ritual? <clears throat> the, the the whole molestation thing? Solemnization of the little boy? Certainly, that, that is. Yes, that is. Um, when mm-hmm. you go back to, uh, well, let's start here. It's not our ritual. Um, mm-hmm. So, in case anybody's phone cuts off in the middle, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this goes back, <laughs> if you read uh, the, the story, the, the, the Odyssey. By Homer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, you have um, a character, Mentaris, mm-hmm. okay, and Mentaris was um, Odysseus's best friend, who he right. left his son with when he went to travel on his odyssey, and the job of Mentaris was, was to acclimate his son, go back to again that, that human morality, that sister you asked about, um, the acclimation of society, so what would happen in those times is that the friend of, you know, an adult male, he would take the, the, the their son, you know, this would be like your godfather. He would take you to the gymnasium. Gymnasium right. is a Greek word for naked. Okay. He right. would strip you naked at in the gym and he would rape you. He would sodomize you. And by doing this, he would teach you respect and submission for the greater order or for the greater male order. This would right. keep the younger boys from rising up. And trying to take over their father because you know they have a history. If you look at their um, their their mythology, Greek mythology, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. like Zeus and the Titans when they killed Kronos. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have these stories because Kronos had eaten Hades eaten and, and, right. and Poseidon. He ate him alive. So you right. see, the the ancient mythology always reflects the cultural and ethnical the ethnic stance of a people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um, we know that this would be a part of one of their rituals because they're just they're just being obedient to their right. um, mythology. So right. yeah, that's what would happen. He would teach the the children, you know, or the young boys respect in that manner, and also it would uh, homosexualize them. Now the value of of the homosexualization is that now when these boys would have to be commissioned into the state um, fighting regiments, the armies, right. they right. most likely and most times would be fighting side by side with their lovers. So you would fight harder on the battlefield if you knew your lover was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, it's certainly a ritual. It's definitely a ritual, yes. Wow, wow. Do you think that it's a ritual that's observed by lower class or the adept? You know what I'm saying? Is it something mm-hmm. that is it's a spiritual thing, so it's something that they're 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 prone to do because they're they embody the nature of the spirit that they're pushing forward or the agenda that they're pushing forward, or do you think that they have like memos going around behind mm-hmm. you know behind mm-hmm. closed doors and this is what we do 
on this on this side of the door. You know what right. I'm saying? Sure. I, I think that there's both because um, when you're trying to honor your ancestors and you're trying to venerate and honor your ancestral way, there's many different ways and many different angles that you have to go about because that's how spirit expresses itself, whether it be music, right. movies, you know, rituals. It, just like for us, mm-hmm. it's the same thing for other cultures. You know, mm-hmm. when people kill people, and they say, why do you kill all these people? You went in the store and shot all these people up. They say, I heard voices in my head. Well, good. That person was obedient to their ancestral call. Now, isn't it time that we do the same? Mm-hmm. You know, these people are just, they're just, they're just um, venerating their, their ancient and traditional ways. And there's all different type of ways that they learn them, whether they learn them through um, initiation in Ivy League schools or whether they just are obedient to their spiritual inclinations, they're following the path of their ancestors. Right. That's all. But we just have to be clear on what our ancestral traditions and paths are before we begin to adopt the ways and actions of an of an alien culture um, right. without understanding that if you do that, you will bring disease to yourself and your community because mm-hmm. those ways, you know, weren't designed for you. Wow. Wow. Okay, we've got about we've got eight, a little over eighteen minutes left in the show, and I do want to give you a chance to kind of talk about some of the things that you're doing. I know you do classes and workshops and rite of passage um, ceremonies, and you've got a, <clears throat> a wonderful book. And I'd love to give you a chance to kind of talk about how people can learn more about you in in your classes and what you're offering. Okay, sure. Thank you for that space. Um, well, firstly, uh, I, I do have a school by the name of the Sedulu House Spiritual Center, which can be found at SeduluHouse.com. That's S-A-D-U-L-U-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And... Um, there we have a, a very large uh, student community. Uh, we have a cadre of, of students who are taking this. There's a free class that one can take, and there's also uh, a paid registered class for the spiritual training, which brings you through a path, um, uh, an initiation system, um, but a learning system where at the end you can actually do work, uh, spiritual work for other people, and whether it's just you're going to do weddings, funerals, or if you're actually going to do things to support the liberation movement or just the healing movement of your community. Okay, so um, that's sponsored by the Anu Order, which is a, a spiritual system and design that um, I created after all of my years within various spiritual systems receiving different initiations. Um, I developed a way. Uh, to kind of begin to discern and dissect different spiritual information without necessarily having to be in one system for 20 years or completely devote yourself to one way, uh, which really would just re-enslave you back into religion. Okay, um, so that's one thing I do, the new spiritual order. And, you know, if anybody wants to check out the classes or take classes, they can go again to the Sedulu House uh, to sign up for classes. Uh, on Fridays, I also have a show on Block Talk Radio uh, or Foundational Fridays where, you know, I, I talk about spiritual matters and 
things related to just like we were talking the shift, you know, raising your vibration and preparing for the next shift that's coming or one that you stimulate. Uh, on Sundays, we also have a show at 1 p.m. Uh, where we dis- discuss uh, issues dealing with Pan-Africanism as well as um, traditional African spiritual systems, as well as a bunch of other things. And that segment is actually hosted by two of my students. Um, so we have the book, Grasping Divine Power, The Root of Divine Power, which really is a primer for those who are coming into consciousness or at least coming into the spiritual aspects of consciousness and want a way to begin to do not only spiritual work for yourselves, start connecting to your ancestors, connecting to your guardian energies, but also divination. And that book teaches you how to do all those things without necessarily having to make the commitment of being underneath someone's um, uh, mentorship, (laughs) Uh, which can sometimes be a little um, dangerous and it could be a commitment that you may not be ready for. Uh, So that's one of the reasons why I wrote that book to give some people uh, applicable information right away in the very beginning. Uh, I also have a book, uh, Solutions for Dysfunctional Family Relationships, which deals with um, split, camp sim- split camp syndrome, which is so common and, and local mm. to those of us in the quote-unquote conscious community, if we want to call it a community, where uh, many of us sometimes have children from previous relationships and we're attached to people who are living a completely different culture and may be introducing things to our children and experiences that we may not feel so comfortable with. And that book deals with how to kind of, um, you know, shorten the gap between you and your children or you and your significant other. If um, you may have diverse cultural perspectives, it it goes into that. It's a really good book. You know, I I enjoyed writing it, and people who read it love it. Um, So that's Solutions for Dysfunctional Family Relationships. And we just also released another book, under the Anu Publishing Company uh, by the name of Natural Hair for Young Women, which is a very good one. And that one deals with um, the metaphysics of black hair, but also the maintenance, you know, down to the applicable, you know, the oils and the shampoos and, you know, how to go natural, the actual process, but the history and the science of um, nine, what we call nine ether hair. You know, that hair that forms that perfect number nine when it comes out the scalp as opposed to the number six. Uh, so we kind of get into that in that particular mm-hmm. book. That that was just released. Um, so there's a lot of things going on. Um, on this, you know, the 28th, I'll be uh, at the New York City Pagan Pride uh, Festival, and I'll be teaching a free class there on Orisha and uh, self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we're lining up retreats as well. So for those of of you who are interested in any type of Orisha initiation or classes or rituals or consecrations, you know, you make sure you can reach out to us either at orishareligion.com or even you can go right to the Sedulu House. Uh, I can also be found on anunation.org, A-N-U-N-A-T-I-O-N.org, and you can sign up for our free newsletter there. I urge everyone to do. And um, in that, you can find out when we're doing discounts on classes and things like that. You know, um, so that's some of the things that are going on uh, in a nutshell. Cool. Can you speak a little bit about something, Sean? No, you go ahead. Can you ask me last question? Okay. Uh Well, I wanted to talk 
about uh, – did you have any questions, Aaron? we got about 12 uh, minutes left. So you go ahead. You said go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk about um, – I wanted you to speak a little bit about your rites of passage that's what um, I was going to say. <laughs> That's what I'm I've always thought, yeah, I've always, I've always thought, you know, one of the things that we are lacking in our community we is we don't really have time. any rites of passage. And right. so I, I, I think, you know, having that, that marker or having that rites of passage, I think, has, has allowed us to kind of, not be able to know when we have reached a certain stage, and so therefore we don't reach certain stages. And um, our specifically men don't know when to grow up, advance, mature, move on because we don't have that. Can you speak a little bit about your program? Sure. I mean, you just you you gave the perfect contextual. <laughs> <laughs> right there. I just give you the name of my program. You pretty much know everything needed to be said. <laughs> so the name is uh, a Sapo Rites of Passage, and it does the things. It addresses the issues that you just spoke about. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, not really having that line of demarcation where we can properly determine and express where we became um, unleashed adults. And because of this, uh, we have adult children who masquerade throughout the uh, community, quote unquote, and um, they confuse everybody because you think you're looking at a man or you think you're looking at a woman and you start to blaspheme against what men and women are based on the actions of adult children. Um, but not only that, rights of passage are critical because they consolidate communities, you know, um, by allowing your community body to see where you are at this stage or what your expectations are at this stage, it allows for a greater level of communal support, but also communal responsibility, which is what is ingrained in our physiology and our spiritual anatomy is, co is collective community um, accountability. That's why so many of our people have terrible credit because we never related to the idea of these, just these numbers and this building. I can go in, I can go in this building and take lollipops, and pens and still owe you money and not feel any way about it. But if I owe my cousin $5, I'm not walking anywhere near his house for a month until I can give him back his $5 because of the fear of being ostracized, you know? So, um, rights of passage creates and reaffirms those values and, uh, those principles and that divine purpose that each person in the community says that they came here to do. And it says it, it does it in a collective manner so that we're all accountable not only to show and prove to one another, but we're also accountable to support each other in our missions. So the program is, is ASAFO, Rites of Passage. And if anybody wants information, they can go to my personal site, which is haruasan.com, which is H R U A S S A A N.com, and just go through the. Um, you know, the, the workshops and the speeches menu, you'll see it there. Thank you. I didn't mean to to define it before I asked the question. I tend to no, do you that. Looked it up. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. I tend to do that sometimes. I kind of go on. Uh, you were wrong with the question. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to work it out in my question. head as I say it because it does make sense. 
That's right. Uh, freestyling is always good. That's right. That's right. I agree. I agree. Um, well, I just want to say this has been an amazing show. It's been much more than I, I had anticipated as far as uh, the information that we got. I do have a um, listener that wanted to know if you have any um, any information that or, or books or anything that can point them towards um, the rituals, the the rituals that you just talked about with the with the young boys and the the Greek mythology. Are there any books or anything that you can point them towards mm. to do more in, to find more information on that? Well, first thing, um, study Greek culture. First mm-hmm. thing you could do, you know, um, you got to understand that Greek culture is the mother culture to the one uh, this Western culture that we're currently experiencing. So um, I would start there. Um, mm-hmm. Also, if you uh, know of um, Walimo Buruti. Okay, um, who's also a writer under the uh, publishing label of Akabin House. He's based out of Atlanta. And uh, he has some really good books, like like he has a book named The Sappho, um, that speaks about some of the roles. Um, it, it, it breaks down some of the, the schisms and where some of our behaviors have come from, but also what our traditional positionings have been. Um, so that's that's one you could check out. Um, just about anything he has is great. You know, he's actually my Jagna. So, um, you know, he, he he has some very powerful information. Um, and, you know, I, I, w- I would stick with that for now. You know, study study their culture. There's a lot of books um, in terms of the, the African cultural community where fingers are pointed back towards Europe. But I think it's best sometimes just to study the mythology of a people and then you'll understand better why they behave the way they do in their ritualistic stance. You know, so even things down to watching Hercules cartoons. I, you know, I watch them all. But, you know, get get the children's books on mythology. That's always a great way to start. Get Nordic mythology and get Greek mythology and get the children's books because you can get through them quicker. And they give you the, the meat right away. And they, you get to see how their gods act. This is their perception of God. So I would start there. Right, right. Okay, thank you. Um, sure. Sean, you have any last thoughts? We've got about six minutes left in the show. Mm, I got a statement. I got a statement. I was listening to one of your podcasts, and you were talking about going uh, 150 miles an hour on the highway with your motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And I threw my hands up in the air because <laughs> I was one time going from D.C. to Philly, right? And I'll tell my wife that she cringes every time I say it. I was, uh, <laughs> I, I had a ZX-11 that I put a big board kit mm-hmm. on. Man, okay. I got that thing up to 200 miles an hour. Nice. I had nothing on but a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. I did it for about 10 seconds. Oh, you don't want no skin. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. But when I heard you say that, when I heard you say that, okay, okay, this is my man right here. <laughs> this is my man right here. I can relate. Oh, yeah, but riders totally got to stick together. That's, that's right. beautiful. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right, <laughs> man. But this is this has been this has been amazing. I, I thank you for coming. I thank you for 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 sharing your time with us. And it's been it's been truly an experience. Oh, it's my it. honor. Yeah, it's appreciate my it. honor, and I, I appreciate you guys having me. And and the questions were uh, beautiful. You know, it's been a wonderful discussion. And anytime uh, you want to do it again, I will make myself available. I, I cool. like what you're doing and I like the energy here and um you know I sent people 
over. So um, right. right now, or that. at least in, yeah, we have to do that. That's a part of right. that newt we were right. talking about earlier. The network, up. absolutely, you know, absolutely. Got to go with the vibe. Yeah, we, oh, we popped you up, big you up, and we'll continue to do yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. I appreciate it. We have a little Facebook group. We have a Facebook group that we, you know, whenever we find something that we is worth sharing, that we share with with the whole group, and we have definitely pointed them in your direction. So got some, some new Thank listeners, you. and, and so we definitely thankful. want to pass that on. Aaron, Thank any you. last questions, thoughts? Just the echoing what's already been said. You know, of course, I've got tons of more questions, but we'll save them for the next show. So I just thank you for your time and for your knowledge, most definitely. Sure, and thank you for that question, Aaron. That was like right on time. You know, we need to (laughs) speak on that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Cool, cool. Hey, hey, man. Right. What'd you say? The name you gave us for the um uh, the book on the Greek mythology. Can you do you have a can you spell it? They're looking for um, the, o- the Odyssey? No, um, um it was uh when you said Oh, you're about? talking about Well I was saying you could look Malimo Buruti. Um yeah. his name is N M W A. L I M U, and his last name is B A R U T I. Walima okay. Buruti. Okay, Akabin House. Cool. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Got a request for sure. for that one on our Facebook. Okay. okay, so again, this was fantastic. This was fantastic. We're already planning your next visit. <laughs> oh, man, beautiful. I, I'll make myself available. <laughs> Not a problem. But in in closing, again, we want to thank you, and it's been um, an amazing show. And I want to thank everyone for listening, and thank you for joining us. And if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to us on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes, leave a comment, rate our show, let us know what you're thinking. Um, you can always go to the website at blueclick at gmail.com. Leave the us website. questions, comments, go ideas. Um, email. That was my higher self telling me that we're going to have a website. Um <laughs> So thank you. Thank you again for listening. Join us again um, and subscribe so that you'll know when the next show is coming up. Um, Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Sean. And uh, thank you, Haru. And we will stay in touch. And everyone, you can find Haru Asan Anu's web, his, all of the information. He's got his website and he's got his own um, radio show. On Fridays, go to blogtalkradio.com um, and you can find that. So thank you very much. And until next time, peace, everybody. Peace. Thank peace. You. Uh,
Secrets of number. Secrets of number. 